Now for just a few minutes, I'd like for us to focus on the series that we began a month or two ago on the Ten Commandments today. And as you and I think about the Ten Commandments, I want you to understand I am not under the delusion that we live under these commandments today. The Bible is very plain and very clear that the Old Testament was nailed to the cross by our Lord, that that law has ceased and is no longer binding today. It would not be binding upon us today anyway because most of us are Gentiles. However, it is valuable for us to understand and appreciate this foundation of moral law because God in ten simple commandments captured the majority of things that man must face. And I think it's significant that the Ten Commandments are tied with love. For instance, I refer you again to Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is likened to it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself, on these two commandments hang all of the law or the prophets. If you're studying the Ten Commandments, you realize the first four relate to man's love for God. And the last six relate to man's love for his fellow man. And if you go to the book of Romans chapter 13, and he's talking about how that Christians ought to love one another, he says, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see, as we study these commandments, we still are taught to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're to love our wives, women, you're to love your husbands. Those of us who are in our community, we're to treat our neighbors the way we ourselves would want to be treated. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. This seventh commandment is about promoting one's loving one's spouse faithfully. So tonight what we're going to do is look as we have the meaning of the commandment and the message that is derived from it. You shall not... He's talking to God's covenant people. He's talking to Israel. This was their civil law. This was their religious law. It was what they lived by, we would say, Monday through Saturday. But actually it was their Sunday through Friday because the Sabbath day was the day that they were to keep holy. It was their moral code as well. It was their religious law. In other words, when you violated this law, you not only violated the law that was a part of the nation, but you violated God's divine law. So that, for instance, if a man committed adultery, he not only had violated the government's law, but he had violated God's law as well. And then when we look at the word commit adultery, This is defined as illicit sexual activity by a married person with someone who is not their spouse. 
This is a specific word. It derives from someone who is married. I will point out to you, it is not just covenant breaking. We have some folks today who are saying, well, adultery is just when you break a covenant. Once you break it, you say, I'm sorry, and then you go on. But when you go to John chapter 8, verses 3 and 4, the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and they set her in his midst, and they said, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, was caught in adultery in the very act. So it's something that a person does, something that can be one can be caught in. Now, I don't think that was very difficult to understand. But I do think there's much more to this commandment than many people realize. As our Lord explains it, and as you look at it throughout the Old Testament, you begin to appreciate what he was saying. This commands enjoins respect that promises are made in marriage. When a young man, a young woman, or an older man, an older woman say that they will be faithful to one another for the rest of their lives, that's a promise that they make. I want you to go with me to the book of Malachi for just a minute, to chapter 2. I want to pick up with verse 14 and go through verse 16. And I will tell you, as you're studying the book of Malachi, as we did a few months ago, Malachi is addressing the children of Israel after they've come back from the Babylonian captivity. And after they have settled the land, the temple has been rebuilt, and now God is looking at them and saying, you're not living very faithful lives. And he says, yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Notice specifically the word covenant there. That means there's an agreement. The husband and the wife have made promises. And notice he says here, but did he not make them one? having a remnant of the Spirit, and why one he seeks a godly offspring. Therefore take the heed to your spirit, and let none of you deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. The Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce, for it is, covers one's violence with garment, or garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. When someone makes a promise to someone else, and they don't fulfill it, they're dealing treacherously with them. When a man says to a woman, I will be faithful to you for the rest of our lives, and he doesn't do it, he's treated her treacherously according to Scripture. That's the reason why Solomon in Ecclesiastes 5, 4 and 5 would put it simply, when you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better it is that you should not vow that you should vow and not pay. You see, when you make a promise before God that you're going to do something, you keep that promise. But I will point out to you, second of all, that the sexual relationship that God designed between a husband and a wife has boundaries. In fact, if you will remember the passage that Brother Bruce read to us just a few moments ago from Hebrews 13 verse 4, it doesn't take a whole lot of help to understand that verse. Marriage is honorable among all. You can pause right there at that point. There's a comma. 
marriage is honorable among all. It's not something that is bad. It's not something dirty. It's not something to be looked down upon. In fact, it's something to be celebrated. We talked this morning about how we view the church as the beautiful bride of Christ. And the bed is undefiled. That is, there's nothing sinful or wrong or dirty, if you will, about a husband and a wife's personal, intimate relationship. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Those things are bad, and those things are not acceptable to God, and God will hold man accountable for that. There is a sphere, a realm that is right, and there is a sphere, and there's a realm that is wrong, and God defines that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, Paul was asked about this. And here's the way he responds. He says, Now concerning the things of which you wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of fornication, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to the wife the affection due her and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except by consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. You see, God had a plan. And that plan involved the respect for and the celebration of that marriage, but it was for none other. Now, Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 32 says, Again, as we reflect back upon Israel, you are an adulterous wife who takes strangers instead of her husband. Anytime one steps outside of God's defined realm, then you have adultery taking place. And what was God's prescription for that? Once a man or woman was caught, what was supposed to happen to them? Leviticus 20.10 The man who commits adultery with another man's wife, he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. I don't know if there would be very many people living in Hollywood. I don't know if there would be very many people living in Mendel if this were still the law of the land. And you say... Really? Is it that serious? It's serious everywhere. Many fail to to expect the consequences that follow. One of the worst parts of being a preacher, and I don't hesitate saying this, is trying to help families who are having trouble. Because it seems as if there's not a very peaceful Uh, There's not a very kind, there's not always an easy solution. And people who are faced with that, you see the pain in their lives. And the words that most often are repeated is, I never thought it would come to this. I thought I could do it and get away with it. Well, Job 24 verse 15 says, The eye of the adulterer waits for the twilight saying, no eye will see me, and he disguises his face. 
You want me to tell you what really happens? A man will try to cover and say, I'm going here, I'm going there. He will usually try to cover it with darkness. And then he will try to disguise or trick someone else, perhaps his wife, in saying, oh, I was here or I was there. That happens way, way too much. In Proverbs chapter 6, verses 24 and 25, Solomon was telling his son that he was providing him this training, he says, to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids, for by means of a harlot a man is reduced to a crust of bread, and adulterers will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can a one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. You tend to think, I can do this and there will be no consequences. Men and women, there will be consequences. And it will come. And it will be much worse than you ever anticipated. He said, people not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he's starving. Yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He does so, destroys his own soul, wounds, and dishonor he will get. And his reproach will not be wiped away. For jealousy is a husband's fury. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will accept no recompense, nor will be appeased, though you give many gifts. Do you see what he says up here particularly in verse 32 and 33? He may lose everything he has. He says he destroys his own soul. Wounds and dishonor. You may get beat up by a jealous husband. And guess what? You deserve it. Somebody says, oh, yes, you do. Because you've gone into someone else's wife. Dishonor. I can't tell you how many men who have once been faithful gospel preachers, capable men, sound in what they teach, have lost all possible means of influence because they committed adultery. Wounds and dishonor will he get. Proverbs 7, beginning with verse 18, says, talking about the husband and the wife and how an adulteress will say, Come and let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves in love. For my husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He's taken a bag of money with him, and he will come home on an appointed day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter, or a fool to the correction of stocks. Till an arrow struck his liver, as a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know that it would cost his life. You know, it's, it's almost as if you have someone being seduced in and he doesn't understand the consequences of what follows. Now therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside 
to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending into the chambers of death. You want to lose your respect. You want to lose your life. You want to lose your soul. That's the consequences of this. And according to Numbers 32 and verse 23, he says, be sure your sin will find you out. So many people don't understand that there will be consequences. But now I have to also address another important aspect with regards to the Bible teaching. And that is that of unscriptural divorce and remarriage. If somebody is divorced not for the cause of fornication and they marry someone else, they commit adultery. That's biblical teaching. Let me point out to you Luke 16, verse 18. Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced from her husband commits adultery. You know, it's just like Malachi chapter 2, verse 16. God says, I hate divorce. It's plain in Scripture. God does not want this to happen. And yet it happens every day. And people say, well, I don't like the one I've got, so I'll divorce them. I'll find me somebody else and I'll marry them. If you go to Matthew 19 and verse 9, the Lord gives one and only one exception to that. And that is if your spouse commits adultery. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for fornication and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. Now someone says, well, that's really stern. That's really narrow-minded. Do you know what? In this context, the disciples looked at their Lord and said, if that's the case, it's better not to marry. Yes, the Lord took this very seriously. And we ought to as well. This morning I made allusion to Romans chapter 7, verses 2 and 3. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband lives she's married to another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. So she's no adulteress, though she's married to another man. Death is what releases people from their obligation. And so if you have a widow or a widower and they choose to marry, then they have that scriptural right to do so. But now I want to back up because the Lord did and talk about from whence comes adultery. What brings it about? Perhaps the most famous case in the Old Testament was that of David. How he was upon the roof of his house. He looked down. He saw Bathsheba's bathing and he had lust after her and he called her and he committed adultery with her. Jesus addressed that in Matthew 5, verses 27 and 28. You have heard it said of those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. What the Lord is saying is you don't look at someone to lust for them. 
And that's where it all begins, is in the heart and the lust and the desire for someone that's not your wife. Proverbs 6.25, Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with your eyelids. 2 Peter 2, verse 14, Having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, they have their heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. I like the way Job put it very simply in Job 31.1. I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? Job said, I've made a decision already in my heart. I'm not going to look at someone to lust after them, to desire after them. Now here's where you bring it all to the past. What about you should not commit adultery? I don't think it's difficult to understand what that means. I don't think it's real difficult for people to prevent it from happening if they have a devotion to their husband and wife, they have a love for them, and if they refuse to allow themselves to be allured by other people. Some people can do that, though, and repent and change. Some people have committed adultery, and some people will come in and say, I, I know I'm not living right. What do I need to do? In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with verse 9, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. That's what you used to be. You're not that now. If you have committed adultery, you need to repent of that. You need to correct it insofar as you possibly can. You need to be restored to faithfulness if you're a Christian and if you're not a Christian, you need to repent of it, which means you have to get out of it. And then you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins. When God's people leave him, they become spiritual adulterers. And I wouldn't be fair if I didn't mention that some people who would say, oh, I would never commit adultery on my wife, or a woman say, I'd never commit adultery on my husband have sometimes allowed themselves to become worldly. In James 4, verse 4, You adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? And whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You cannot live a worldly life, love the world, all the things that are in the world, and be faithful to God. And it's maybe the possibility tonight you've been committing spiritual adultery with God. Why don't you seek God's favor tonight? If you need to respond to the invitation, we encourage you to come as together we stand and sing.